Welcome to the A Catholic Life Podcast. I am Matthew, the author of A Catholic Life, welcoming you to episode 26 of the A Catholic Life Podcast. In today's episode on the 11th Sunday after Pentecost, I address the following topics. First and foremost, the upcoming Assumption Day of Our Blessed Lady, including Assumption Day customs, as well as the Assumption um, Octave, which immediately follows. And secondly, other upcoming feast days this week, St. Joachim, St. Hyathens, and St. John Udez. Some great saints we can really learn from this upcoming week. But before we delve into that, I'd like to stop and thank the sponsor for today's episode. This episode is sponsored by PrayLatin.com. PrayLatin.com offers Latin prayer cards to learn and share prayers in the sacred language. Learn your basic prayers in Latin conveniently on the go. Practice your pronunciation with easy-to-follow phonetic renderings of Latin words. PrayLatin.com offers prayer cards in various formats, including Latin-English rosary pamphlets with the traditional 15 mysteries, of course. So shop for additional resources today, such as missile booklets, server response cards, and more at PrayLatin.com. On to the first topic of today's episode— It is only a few days until we celebrate the glorious Assumption Day of Our Blessed Lady. But before we do so, tomorrow, August 14th, is the Vigil of the Assumption. Now, this vigil has been uh, celebrated for a very long time. In fact, it has been a fasting day for a very, very long time as well. Now, the Catholic Encyclopedia, written around the time of St. Pius X, mentions in the United States there are only four vigils that are fasting days. And they included the vigils of Christmas, Pentecost, the Assumption, and All Saints. Now, this day, as a fasting day, is quite ancient. Pope Nicholas I, who died in the year 867, in an answer to the Bulgarian, speaks of the fast on the vigils of Christmas and the Assumption, amongst other days. And a synod that took place in uh, in the year 1022 AD mentions the vigils of Christmas, of Epiphany, of the Feast of the Apostles, the Assumption, St. Lawrence, and All Saints uh, as fasting days. So these are very ancient testimonies to show that the Vigil of the Assumption was for a very long period of time a fasting day. And in fact, it continued to be so until really infamously on July 25th of 1957, Pope Pius XII removed the fast in the Universal Church from the Vigil of the Assumption, and he moved it from Today, that is August 14th, we're speaking of the the vigil, to the vigil of the Immaculate Conception on December 7th, even though he previously abrogated the Mass for the vigil of the Immaculate Conception. Now, the vigil of the Assumption can, of course, though, still be observed as a fasting day by the faithful, and I highly encourage anyone and everyone to do so as well, because it's such an important day. In fact, this was the last remnant that really existed of the Assumption Fast, the two-week fasting period that starts on August 1st and ends at the conclusion of the vigil on August 14th as we begin and celebrate August 15th and when, you know, the Assumption Fast is over. In the East, it's called the Dormition Fast because the Assumption is, is the name given it in the Western Church. Our Lady's Assumption is, of course, still believed in the Eastern Church as well, but it's 
often called the Dormition. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second, why there is a difference. But going forward to August 15th, mark your calendars, because Tuesday, August 15th, is the Assumption of the Most Blessed Virgin Mary, and it is a holy day of obligation. You must attend Mass on Tuesday, August 15th this year. So make a note to be sure you do so. Now, the Assumption, that is, our Blessed Mother was assumed body and soul into heaven by the power of God at the conclusion of her earthly life, is a dogma of the faith. must be believed by all Catholics. It has been taught since the early church. It has allusions in scripture. And the church fathers as well, in the very ancient church, really believed it as well. Now, the assumption has been believed and celebrated very much since the earliest times. It has been a feast uh, that goes back to the 5th or 6th century in the church. And homilies concerning the assumption go back at least to the 6th century. However, in order to make it a dogma of the faith, meaning all Catholics must believe it, Pope Pius XII dogmatically declared Mary's assumption into heaven only in the year 1950, when he said in part, quote, By the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, of the blessed apostles Peter and Paul, and by our own authority, we pronounce, declare, and define it to be a divinely revealed dogma that the Immaculate Mother of God, the ever-Virgin Mary, having completed the course of her earthly life, was assumed body and soul into heavenly glory, end quote. Now, what's very interesting regarding that definition is it leaves open the possibility, did our Blessed Mother actually die? And I do uh, believe so. I see a lot of mystics um, also say that she did die, and that uh, at the end of her, her death, that is the separation of her body and soul, her soul was thus reunited with her body and then taken up into heaven by her son. But the, the, um, the truth really much is that somebody is free to believe that or not. The Eastern Church often calls this the Dormition instead of the Assumption, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, because they believe that Mary basically fell asleep, didn't so much so as die, but kind of fell asleep, and there was assumed body and soul into heaven. So there's certainly some uh, area where people can have some latitude to believe uh, one way or the other, but the fact remains she was assumed body and soul into heaven, and there she is right now in heaven. And like all the saints, through the power of God, she can hear our prayers because God reveals our prayers to which we offer to her and to all the saints. He reveals them in his divine providence. What I would also like to note is regarding the Assumption Day is that um, the Assumption of Our Blessed Mother was actually also believed for a very long period of time by Protestants as well. Shocking, actually, to most Protestants, Martin Butzer, a contemporary of Martin Luther, wrote, quote, Indeed, no Christian doubts that the Most Holy Mother of the Lord lives with her beloved Son in heavenly glory, end quote. So there's a very long history of the Assumption. I'll have links in the show notes if people are interested to read more about this, because I did write an article some years ago on how the early Christians believed in the Assumption, and I'll also have a link in the show notes to how the early Christians believed in the Immaculate Conception as well. It was widely believed for so long by so many people, it really was not needed to be dogmatically defined until more recent times. As Protestants began so fixated on Sola Scriptura, they began to go at anything that wasn't mentioned explicitly and directly in the Bible, even though clearly not every Everything is written in the Bible, as the end of the Gospel of John clearly states. It's unfortunate that these kind of doctrinal errors really continue to affect the church. 
as is written in 2 Timothy 4.3, there shall be a time when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And we are truly in those sad times. But going forward, we should also note that the Assumption is not just a single-day feast in the traditional, that is the pre-1955 calendar. It is uh, celebrated over the course of an entire octave. And the octave day of the Assumption is the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So the Feast of the Immaculate Heart on August 22nd is not arbitrarily set there. It was put there because it was instituted on the octave day of the Assumption of Our Lady. And uh, the octave of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary is a common octave, meaning it had the same rank and worked the same way as the octave of the Solemnity of St. Joseph or the Nativity of St. John the Baptist or Saints Peter and Paul or of all saints as well. And um, this is what this means for us is even though the octave really was abolished by Pope Pius XII, we can and should keep praying the colic from the feast of Our Lady's Assumption throughout that period as we prepare for the Immaculate Heart, as we meditate on her Assumption, understanding that we hope to follow her one day. If you want to make it to heaven, you want to be assumed one day, body and soul, at the end of the world, even though your soul, hopefully, God willing, already is there in heavenly glory and sees God, your body will be reunited with your soul one day. That's something we believe as Catholics. You must believe in the resurrection of the body. So Mary has really preceded us in what we hope to follow. So we hope to follow her, and we should pray for that grace of final perseverance and the grace of a happy death as well as we meditate on the rosary mystery of Our Lady's Assumption throughout the octave and for the rest of the month. But continuing on to the next topic of today's episode, I'd like to give a brief highlight of some of the other feast days we celebrate this week. And one of which I think is quite uh, interesting and profound is the fact that the day after the Assumption, even though we're still in the octave of the Assumption, we call to mind the Feast of St. Joachim. And St. Joachim, of course, is the father of Our Lady. And he was really instituted on this day to connect him with the triumph of his daughter into heaven. Now, no liturgical celebration of St. Joachim was included originally in the Tridentine calendar. It was added to the general Roman calendar in the year 1584 for the celebration of March 20th, the day after the Feast of St. Joseph. And in 1738, it was transferred to the Sunday after the octave of the Assumption of Mary. As part of his effort to allow the liturgy of the saints to be cele- liturgy of Sundays to be celebrated, not overtaken by saints, Pope Saint Pius X transferred uh, the feast of Saint Joachim to August sixteenth, the day after the Assumption, so that Saint Joachim may be remembered in the celebration and conquest of Mary's triumph. It was then celebrated as a double of the second class, a rank that was changed in 1960 to that of a second class feast. What we know of Saint Joachim really comes from the proto. Evangelum of St. James. I'll have a link, of course, in the show notes, as I'm accustomed to do with all the different feast days this co- coming up this week. And there's some wonderful traditions really associated with St. Joachim. We can learn so much regarding that um, by really delving into the traditions of the church. Now, on August 1st, 1879, the Sovereign Pontiff Leo XIII who received the name Joachim in baptism, 
raised the feast of his glorious patron and that of St. Anne to the ranks of doubles of the second class. So not just St. Joachim, but St. Anne, who we celebrated previously on July the 26th, is also worthy of, of commemorating with a very high rank because of their connection to our Blessed Mother, who is truly assumed into heaven. Now going forward, August 17th, that's this upcoming Thursday, is the Feast of St. Hyacinth. He was born in the year 1185 in what is today uh, modern-day Poland. Uh, He was educated in both law and sacred studies and studied in the illustrious cities of Krakow, Prague, Paris, and Bologna. And despite his education, he was first and foremost, though, a holy priest. After his ordination to the sacred priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ, he worked to reform convents in his native country. While on a trip to Rome with his... Uh, uncle, uh, who was a bishop, Bishop Ivo Konsky, he witnessed the glorious patriarch St. Dominic perform a miracle that would change his life. He then became personal friends with St. Dominic, and then he joined the Dominicans. In fact, he was the first Polish Dominican, and he brought the order into Poland. He was prolific in his work, evangelizing throughout Poland, throughout Lithuania, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Scotland, Russia, Turkey, and even Greece. During an attack on a monastery, St. Hyacinth famously managed to carry a crucifix and a large statue of Our Lady, though the statue weighed far more than he normally could have lifted. The saint, therefore, is usually shown in depictions holding these two different items. Now, he never served as a provincial or a prior, but he toiled as a simple friar, focusing on the internal and external mission facing the Polish Dominicans and to deepen their own faith and to spread it throughout Poland. He is truly a wonderful example of how the Dominican spirituality could bring about the conversion of great amounts of people. Now, August 19th is the Feast of St. John Udez, the other saint that I would like to highlight for this week. Now, St. John Udez was born in northern France in the year 1601. He ended up living to the year 1680. He was a parish missionary who founded two religious communities, and he was also a great promoter of devotion to the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. At the age of 24, he was ordained a priest. Between the years 1627 and 1631, he offered to take care of those sickened by several plagues of that time, and at the age of 32, he became a parish missionary and was known for his gifts as a preacher and a confessor. He, in fact, would preach over 100 parish missions, some of them lasting several months at a time. So these missions were not just a couple hours at a time. Now, after much prayer, St. John Udez decided to leave the religious community after he realized the greatest need of the time was for seminaries. That year, he founded the Congregation of Jesus and Mary, which was devoted to the formation of the clergy by conducting diocesan seminaries. St. John Udez founded several seminaries throughout Normandy, and he also founded the Sisters of Our Lady of Charity of the Refuge to Help Abandoned Women. He is known for his writings, especially the books The Ideal Confessor the wondrous childhood of the Holy Mother of God, the admirable heart of Mary, and the apostolic preacher. Above all, St. John Udez taught that Jesus was the source of all holiness, and Mary was the example of a Christian life. He died in the year 1680 and was beatified by Pope St. Pius X and Pope Pius XI in the holy year 1925 on the day of Pentecost, placed him among the saints while also extending his office and his mass to the universal church. So he was canonized relatively recently. What I think is very interesting as we look at all these different saints this upcoming week is their great connection to Mary. As we celebrate the Assumption and the conclusion of our fasting from the Assumption fast, if you've been observing this two-week fasting period, 
is all of these saints had a devotion to Mary. It's believed, if you read um, the book True Devotion by St. Louis de Montfort, you cannot be saved without devotion to Mary. God, in his providence and through his ordering of the universe, chose the Blessed Virgin Mary as the mediatrix of all graces. It is what he chose, and he wishes us to approach him through her. While he is the only mediator with the Father, she is our mediator with him. In fact, there's nothing against having other mediators with our Lord, just as if you know somebody were to ask me to pray to, to our Lord for them, I would do so, and thus I would become a mediator. The same is true for Our Lady, but in a greater sense, because she is truly in heaven right now, body and soul, who was immaculately conceived, who never experienced original sin, who never had any sins throughout her entire life. May her prayers continually be offered for us and for our church, especially in this time of great doctrinal crisis throughout the airs we find in our society. And may she help stamp out all the elements of heresy. She is known under the title Exterminatrix of Heresies. May she help stomp them out. And may the great Dominican order under the patronage of St. Hyacinth help achieve this. May his prayers and the prayers of St. John Udez and St. Joachim join ours as we praise God this upcoming week for the triumph of Mary, for her assumption, gloriously, body and soul, into heaven. Thank you for listening. May God grant you a most blessed week, and let us all strive for greater holiness this and every other week. Ad maiorum, Dei Gloriam. We do all